Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> And we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jill Gallant. I'm joined with Evan Abrams each and every week. He's our research director here at the Action Network. We're going to dive into all the crazy Sunday NFL action for week nine. We're going to talk about Sunday night football. Uh, Brandon Henderson is going to have some hot reads later in the show. Patrick Everson from Vegas Insider. He'll give us an update on the sports books in Vegas and how they fared this NFL Sunday But before we talk about Sunday, let's talk about Monday Night Football, Evan. Let's talk about Chargers, Jets. Chargers around three-and-a-half-point favorites with an over-under of 39-and-a-half, and they're on the road. I'll be honest, Evan. I'm gonna, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I kind of like the Jets in this spot as a home dog. And everything that we've seen from them offensively makes me kind of cringe. But their pass defense and their defense in general is really why I get a little bit excited, why I think maybe they can keep it close, especially at that three and a half where we have that extra hook there for the field goal. But their pass defense, I mean, they're sixth in DVOA. They're first in pressure rate at 29.2% in the NFL and 31st in blitzing as well, which I think is important to note because uh, Herbert has historically carved up the blitz in his career. And I think the Jets... They're going to want to get in his face, but they could sit back in coverage. Uh, that's kind of why, for me, from a betting standpoint, if I was going to be betting a side, I'd be looking at the Jets three and a half. Not sure how I feel about the total, but from a touchdown score perspective, I think Gerald Everett is probably a guy we want to look for around plus 330. I know people will probably say, what about Donald Parham? I think Gerald Everett, he <laughs> snaps Parham more often than not. We can get into that debate. But also another one is Justin Herbert, interception around plus 125. I mean, I talk about the plus money uh, interceptions uh, pretty much exclusively on social media about <laughs> how much they're hitting this year. But again, uh, right now, as I just mentioned, they're going to get in Herbert's face. He's going to throw it a lot in this game, which is why I like Gerald Everett in this spot because he had a touchdown in back-to-back games leading into this game. And the Jets haven't really been great versus tight ends this year. But uh, yeah, four touchdowns allowed to tight ends, 27th the DVOA to the position. So Herbert INT and Gerald Everett for a touchdown around plus 330 is how I like Monday Night Football. Evan, 
Okay. Please tell us what do you like for this game? There's actually a lot to break down here. Sometimes we talk about the Monday Night Football game. There's really not a ton. Uh, I think there's a there's a bunch here. Um, so not a lot of market movement. It's been three and a half and thirty nine and a half for a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah. as we just watched Sunday Night Football, primetime unders is something we'll talk about in a little bit. But twenty one and seven for the season. Uh, so Ugh. that'll be a bit of a uh, storyline here. But also nine and one unders on Monday Night Football this year. And Monday Night Football unders 54, 28, and 1 since 2019. So pretty decent margin. Uh, so quickly to touchdown scores for a second. It's funny. Yeah, what so do you like? We don't, we don't usually uh, share notes, which kind of some you know makes this fun. You say Everett. I, I, I have Parnham written down. Uh, he's my man. That's fine. Hey, hey, we, no, no, it's okay. And again, it's one of those things <laughs> that if I bet yeah. Everett, Parham's going to score. So again, yeah. I would rather at least one of us hit. Yeah, yeah, he's my guy. Uh, but you know, three tar, three plus targets, three straight. You know, five last game. I, I'm a fan. I like him. So that was my. Either way, I was interested in the tight end. Um, but the other trend that's interesting here is obviously with Herbert. Uh, mm-hmm. This one's actually kind of crazy. So in night games, twelve and three first half against the spread, three eleven and one second half against the spread. So it's been oh, virtually God. a lock to have that first half, second half split with him. Uh, actually, in most games, if you look at the numbers, but in night games, it's actually very much exaggerated. Um, listen, the numbers say the Jets. I like the Jets as well. Jets have won a few in a row, and all their wins have required a fourth-quarter comeback from Zach Wilson. I feel like as I keep betting the Jets, it's asking – you know, for things to keep coming true that I feel like will show up as an L at some point soon. But I do <laughs> it's feel asking like about the, your own yeah. mental health. Correct. <laughs> but I do feel like the number is right. So that that is the handicap currently. No, I, I love that too. And again, I think the other thing about this Chargers team is we know that they the way that they finish games is never usually clean. Sure. <laughs> you know that. So again, maybe even a double result where you take Chargers first half money line and then you take the Jets on the <laughs> second half money line. Yeah, that might be the way to go. And even for interceptions, one thing we're going to hear from Brandon Anderson here in a little bit for his hot read, but he's actually laddering uh, Justin Herbert interception okay. props in this game. He's taken <laughs> one and two at plus 650. So, again, it's good to see that we're on the same mindset, that we're all kind of coming to the same conclusion. So that's Chargers-Jets. Let's move to Sunday now. Four teams on by this week, the Broncos, the Lions, the Jaguars, the 49ers. Now, before we talk about Sunday night football, Favorites go eleven and two straight up, nine and four against the spread. Favorites now twenty three and six straight up over the last two weeks. Even home favorites, uh, home teams nine and three straight up, seven and five against the spread. Home is over five hundred straight up over the last five weeks. But Evan, please break down the unders that are, continue to happen in the NFL. Absolutely nuts. Uh, Ten and three so far in Week Nine entering Monday Night Football. <laughs> that would mean. 82, 52, and 1. So it's 30 games above 500 so far this season. Now, right now, since about 1990, which is the wild card era, which I'll, I'll refer to a lot, it's in a battle with 1991 for, you know, best, second best. So you'll hear that uh, a lot from me. I think the interesting thing, if you dig a little bit of deeper, uh, second half unders, 81, 53, and 1 this season. And even if you look last two years, 232, 175, and 12. So pretty decent gap, about 60 games over the last two seasons, 11 and two today, second half under. So really feel like first half have been about even and second half 
you've seen some clampdown, some lack of scoring, and about same percentage full game in second half, which I find interesting. What's interesting with the with the first half under trend and the second half under trend that you're bringing up here is that right now we're seeing teams like they come off strong. We're going to talk about Sunday Night Football in a second. We saw three touchdowns in the opening five drives. We didn't really see much scoring for the rest of the game. And again, Bengals now probably a little bit more of a public team. How did the public do today, Evan? Yeah, uh, eight and five straight up and against the spread. Nothing to write home about, but definitely a decent day. Uh, but then you look for the season. 72, 53, and 5, up about $1,200 for the year on a $100 wager. Uh, now, just for some context, which kind of shows you how, you know, just unbelievable it's been for the year, that $1,200 profit on that $100 bet for the public, if you bet every game this year, mm-hmm. almost double second best through nine weeks. Uh, second best for the public through this through nine weeks, about six hundred dollars. Right now for this year, we're at twelve hundred bucks. So it's been a wild ride so far. Uh, and it, you know, you're usually about two three games over five hundred every week. Crazy stuff. Yeah. So really, at this point, the unders are just too undeniable at this stage. Like you almost <laughs> have to now consider it. I mean, even for Monday Night Football, you know, the total was around forty and a half. We're seeing it at thirty nine and a half. Public is still starting to bet the unders too, seeing those trends happening. And one of the games that went under was Bills Bengals, which had a total of fifty and a half. And the Bengals win twenty four to eighteen. Bengals do cover as home favorites as two and a half. But again, these primetime unders continue to come through. But if you had just watched the first half you would have thought this game for sure was going over 50 and a half because again, Joe Burrow, what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks since this Cardinals game. And then against the Niners, he just continues to build on what we've seen. And now the Bengals are kind of a team that nobody really wants to face in the AFC. It's actually kind of fun, right? Like the NFL roller coaster, when you've done this for this many years and you keep watching it year over year, Bengals start out as a completely different team, and now you watch, what, 10 touchdowns, two picks, four-game winning streak, covered all four games. Bengals just look like a completely different squad. Burrow's running around. His calf feels fine. Just just a different team. Um, I mean, if you want to talk like nuts and bolts from like a betting perspective tonight, that Buffalo challenge where they lost the timeout, you know, probably could have, you know, wrote a few tweets could've on that. Could have used the timeout uh, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Yeah, possibly could have done a few things there. Uh, and then obviously the, the injury to Micah Hyde was pretty bad when they were trying to get the ball back, especially when you don't have White, you don't have Milano, just too much to overcome, you know, from Buffalo's side. Uh, a crazy stat, and I honestly still don't believe this is true, but I've checked it now twice. So the Bills have now lost five consecutive games against the spread. So not only is that the longest streak for Josh Allen and his career in Buffalo, but the Bills actually haven't done that as a franchise. Five straight losses against the spread since 1976. Uh, So four times happened a lot. Never happened five, but it's a bad skid right now for Buffalo. Uh, And not great. You You face Denver next week at home on Monday Night Football. Then you're home against the Jets. You assume it's a good uh, bounce back, but tough. Oh, the rest of their schedule is a gauntlet, man. They've got the yeah. Broncos, Jets, then the Eagles and the Chiefs, and then the Cowboys, and then the Chargers, and then they ended off divisional games with the Patriots and the Dolphins. So 
yeah, not an easy stretch for them here coming up uh, to make it even to the playoffs in the AFC, let alone whether or not they could win the AFC East. But again, another interception from uh, Josh Allen, too. That's his ninth of the year, so that's time for the league lead with Jimmy G. I honestly think, man, one of the first things that came to my mind when I saw this game, man, the refs were really on one in this game. Like, <laughs> that taunting call on Josh Allen when, when he's running for that touchdown. Like, we see Tyreek Hill do the peace sign all the time, but because he pointed the finger at him, oh, we got to call 15. And then they call an intentional grounding on him again at the end of the first yeah. half. I thought that was just disgraceful. And then, of course, you get Terry McCauley on the call. He, God forbid he'll disagree, you know, with the referees. It just it drives <laughs> me crazy. Those segments just obviously, I think, have to be banned from most primetime games. These former refs who come in and basically just double down on what the ref did on the field. Um, yeah, but there was just some costly stuff in the second half for the bank, uh, for the Bills. And we've talked about this now for a couple of weeks where that urgency doesn't seem to kick in until it almost is too late. You know, I mean, Kincaid had that costly turnover uh, at yeah. the 10. Uh you know, so it's it's tough watch here for the Bills. I'm not ready to count them out or, or anything like that because, again, Josh Allen and quarterbacks, they, you know, that's the type of thing that you want. But, again, the injuries are starting to pile up on that defense. They're continuing to make mistakes. And, again, the schedule coming up it definitely seems like it's going to be a wild card stretch now for the Buffalo Bills. I want to talk about Cowboys-Eagles. So Cowboys – lose in heartbreaking fashion now i'm going to talk right now as a biased cowboys fan but really what i'm trying to do is lend you to the years of what the pov would be as a cowboys better because sure. the cowboys blew this game over and over again they had plenty of chances just pretend again that i'm a plus three cowboys <laughs> better here in this spot because they had first and five from the 10 yard line with 30 seconds to go they can't convert Dak then goes out of bounds on the two-point conversion that is called good on the field but steps out of bounds, would have made it 28-25. Instead, it's 28-23. So now the cover is out of the way. Like you, There's no way that you're going to at least get a push in this spot. And it just blows my mind that the Cowboys could not put this into the end zone with so many chances in the fourth quarter. And now Jalen Hurts is 16-6-1 against the spread at home with the Eagles as a starter. Yeah, I mean, the cover probably came down to that play, but a lot happened in the game. Listen, both teams played really well. Dak played well. Hertz played well. The one thing I'll say about Hertz, and I think we've now seen this two or three straight weeks, he looks hurt. Like, he's hobbling around a lot. Mm -hmm. He's finishing all the games. I mean – you look at the numbers, everything looks pretty good, right? Like if you weren't watching the games, there'd be nothing to worry about. But he just doesn't seem yep. like the same player. I'd have to check. I didn't even check his rushing stats from today. But it just seems like he's hobbling around there, uh, out there. So obviously great that they have a bye. But holy mackerel. There's, and we've talked about this. There's schedule coming up. KC, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas, Seattle. Just pretty brutal. So rest up. And hopefully we see, you know, maybe a different Hurts with a bit of a uh, hop in his step. Uh, you know, basically from what we've seen today, though, Cowboys have been great off a loss. Not so great, after, not, you know, without it. So 6-0 and mm -hmm. against the spread off a loss last two seasons. 5-9 and nine now against the spread when they're off a win. So just been kind of a roller coaster. And that's what you've got with McCarthy. Especially, yeah, yeah. In and this situation. I, fo 
I find too, Evan, with this Cowboys team, if they don't get like a lead or at least a a big lead, or if they're not ahead of the count in a sense, like basically the Eagles were rarely in third and long or like second and 15, where the Eagle or the, the Cowboys pressure can then move in on them. Instead, they're always in third and short, you know, second and two kind of thing. And they're just able to convert. And, you know, that was kind of one of the things that I was expecting with this Cowboys team is that if they can't get pressure, their defense can get exposed. And, you know, we, that passing defense has just not been the same without Trayvon Diggs. Stephon Gilmore can do the best he can, but again, there's not much you could do when you have Devontae Smith and AJ Brown, just kind of running it down your throat. But I, I was actually really surprised with, even though the Eagles have a direct weakness over the middle because they're ranked last in DVOA versus tight ends this year. You know, they gave up that early touchdown to Jake Ferguson. And then of course the Scoonmaker touchdown that looked like a touchdown initially, but obviously his knee is down just before the line. So again, a late fourth and one that just doesn't convert. So there was just a lot of, I I don't want to call it bad luck because I feel like the Cowboys (laughs) create their own bad luck, but at the same time, it definitely felt like a game that the Cowboys gave away that they could have won in this spot. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, the Eagles, if they're able to get through that schedule the next time they play in late December in Dallas, if they're even going to be fielding a a whole team because they might have the NFC, uh, at least the NFC East division locked up. They've got a two-game lead right now, but the NFC uh, Conference as well looking pretty solid in that spot. Uh, Buccaneers-Texans. So Texans win 39-37. to Uh, Total goes over, and the Texans... Do not cover, though. So we're going to talk about this. There's a lot to cover with this game. The total does go over 40 and a half. But this game is about C.J. Stroud. So C.J. Stroud is now 4-1 and against the spread as an underdog and 0-3 against the spread as a favorite. So, again, keep that in mind because when he's going to be an underdog, I'm going to want to bet him because he was unreal in this game. 470 passing yards, five touchdowns rookie uh, record for passing yards in a game. And I think the most wild thing about this game was that there was no kicker for the Texans in the entire (laughs) second half. And so every time that they scored a touchdown, they had to either go for two or then you saw uh, Wale kick the field goal. Uh, He's the uh, third string running back. Uh, First non-kicker with a field goal in an NFL game since 2004. I was trying to think between this game and the next game we're going to talk about after this, which is Vikings-Falcons, which one had like more lunacy to it, basically, because both these games are just really just had everything. Uh, but I think having Dare kick really made this, you know, took this game over the edge. Uh, yeah, I think absolutely. I think the interesting thing about this game, though, is probably Stroud, right? And his performance for the season, 14 touchdowns now, one interception. I looked this up. I looked this up. So 14 touchdowns. He's got 2,200 passing yards. Through eight starts all time, that's Stroud, Mahomes, and Herbert. It's not a bad list. That's, you know, pretty impressive. And you you talked about some of his accomplishments as well with the, the rookie passing game record. I mean, unreal. And that one interception, I mean... I don't mean to be mean, and you know I might have saved this for later, but Bryce Young had three picks just today. Stroud's thrown one all year. I mean, that is, I mean, this kid has been unreal and really put the Texans in a position to uh, win every week. I mean, they have four wins already, right? They've had four. You know, four has been their max, I think, over the last three or four years. Uh, and they're so. very, very live in that AFC South division because. Uh, 
you've heard me flip flop on Jacksonville probably a couple of times already this season. I'm still not a full believer uh, in them. Uh, but yeah, this game again, I just want to issue uh, condolences to anybody who did have Texans minus two and a half. Cause that, that feels like a bad beat. Like you don't go into a game thinking that the team that you're backing their kicker is all of a sudden just not going to yeah. play in the second half. And that not only that, that you might still get a kick from another random running back. And then just uh, they had it and then they kneeled. They scored that touchdown, the goal ahead. And then CJ Stroud kneels. So I think that was the other thing too, is I think people were maybe hoping or, or, you know, in that spot. Uh, But yeah, I think at this stage too, I don't think there's much of a debate. I don't even know if he has to play another game for me to say that. I think CJ Stroud is the offensive rookie of the year. I think you could just give it to him now. Uh, Sure, you could say maybe Bijan has a great second half, or you know, you could say that Will Levis all of a sudden gets hot. But right now, CJ Stroud, I mean, you, I don't think it's really that hard of a debate to say that he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now. I thought I saw him, you know, minus 500 range, uh, to win the offensive rookie of the year in terms of odds, but that could change. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I, I don't know if anyone, I mean, based off the numbers we just discussed. I'm not sure anyone is in his clubhouse right now. Uh, not to pour a little bit of more salt on the wound, but this fun stat that I looked up, which is just points to the fact that the Texans won but didn't cover. Teams to, with five-plus passing touchdowns in a game, 102 and, 102 and 13 straight up, 93-16 and 6 against the spread last 20 years, 85% cover rate. Obviously, the Texans don't cover the spread today, so kind of just a tough one at the end there but pretty crazy yeah i wouldn't uh obviously it's easy for me to say uh after the fact of uh ah, don't worry about it but uh, i think you'll have plenty more opportunities to bet on stroud here coming oh, yeah. up this season in some very actionable spots uh vikings falcons this one again a wild ending vikings win 31 to 28 total does go over the Falcons is three and a half point home favorites lose outright, and the over under at thirty seven and a half easily goes over. And you could thank most of it to Josh Dobbs, who I think deserves a medal. Like he's a hero, man, coming in on five day notice. And you know when we talked about the Cardinals at all for the first few weeks and talked about how they were frisky, they were frisky because of Josh Dobbs and because of his scrambling ability. Like he won them this game today with his legs scores. The game-winning touchdown with 20 seconds to go for a pass to Brandon Powell, and he ran one in just a possession earlier. The Falcons, 1-7 ATS this year, man. 5-15 and 15 ATS in the last 20 games. I've got some thoughts on Arthur Smith, but <laughs> what did you think of this game? Man, there's actually a lot to unpack here. Uh, so from the Vikings' point of view, clap. Like I think it's, it's actually worth – Clapping, like thinking about the performance, right? So 25 of 36, when you look at both quarterbacks combined, 217, two passing touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, and if you look on the ground too, nine of 77 and a touchdown, uh, pretty impressive. So, I mean, even staying in this game and doing what they had to do between the two of them, really, really well done. Now, when you think about Dobbs having to, teach his offensive line cadence and like trying to figure that out kind of on the fly. I know some on of the, the videos side line. Like insane. Some of those are just <laughs> absolutely insane. Now I will say this. Now there might be something to this if Dobbs keeps the starting role going forward, but we did see like a bit of a 
momentum, a bit of a initial jump with the Cardinals with Dobbs in the lineup. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. the roller coaster came right. back down. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, Minnesota plays New Orleans this week. Then they go to Denver on Sunday night football. We're going to have to see how this Minnesota team, I mean, right now, I believe, are they, are they over five, uh, over 500? They might be 500 right now. Uh, they're five and four. So over 500 on a run, they honestly could be in the wild card hunt or they are right now. So, I'm just worried, and they actually might be a good fade, in my opinion, if Dobbs continued to do what he did in uh, Arizona after a start or two. So we'll see. Yeah, and it should be it should be interesting too how that how sportsbooks price him because and the Vikings because uh, you know you've got Justin Jefferson coming back here soon as well. That's, That's going to be another weapon for them. Jordan Addison still looks fantastic. This is a team that is very much in a position to make a wild card push in the NFC because. I'll be honest, after you get past the two or three teams in the <laughs> NFC, it starts to become very mid uh, as you go, and it gets even worse once you get past probably the fifth team in the NFC. All right, I got a, I got a bone to pick here because – all right, so before we start, do you have Bijan Robinson in fantasy? I do, actually. So I'm in one fantasy league. Uh, I have Bijan Robinson, and it is what it is. It's life. All right, so I'm going to say it for you. And again, I don't really like calling for people's jobs, but sure, Arthur Smith, I think, needs to be fired. Yeah, like I agree. how you're using Bijan Robinson is roster malpractice at this point. Like, how do you get three goal line appearances? Bijan doesn't get a carry or a target. Now Tyler Algier scored, but you're seeing Jonu Smith draws. I just cannot get it out of my head that you have now Taylor Heineke in a quarterback. You solved in my opinion, your quarterback issue, even though Heineke didn't look great today, but much better than what Ritter was putting out there on the field. And then you spend an eighth pick on Bijan Robinson, and then you're still handing it off to Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier. I just don't get it. And if I spent a first round pick on Bijan Robinson in fantasy, which I'm assuming you did, (laughs) I would be livid right now about this. My thing is this as well. You look at some of these stats. So Atlanta two and 16, against a first-half spread in the last 18 games, okay? That's just one. The one that's even worse, in my opinion, he's 6-15 and 15 against the spread at home, Arthur Smith. Like, it's just, you get to a point where you start to figure out that he has all this talent around him, right? Like, if you started to give this amount of talent on offense, and they upgraded their defense in the offseason, they just can't mm-hmm. win these games sometimes. It's kind of embarrassing. Uh, so... I mean, going forward, they're at Arizona next week. I'm not even sure I want to mess with that game just because I'm not even sure what I'm getting on either side, and then I'm relying on Atlanta as a favorite. It's just not not pretty. Well, if it's up to me, I'd be giving Josh Dobbs NFC Player of the Week for sure based on what we saw there. So um, that's all I really got to say. I'm hoping Josh Dobbs and the Vikings can kind of continue this momentum. It was a great feel-good story, but I'm – I'm tired of watching the Falcons. I'm tired of watching this Arthur Smith show. And I think if you have a Bijan Robinson rookie of the year ticket, like we <laughs> just talked about CJ Stroud, I'm not saying to tear it up, but it's pretty much there at this stage. The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. 
For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now it's time for the hot read from our own Brandon Anderson. Brandon, what do you have us looking for for early Week 10 lines? Hot rock! Blue 17! Nice rights! Ice cream! Jose! Blue the Raiders! 19 salad! 19 double! Louisville Soul Train! Hot! All right, let's do the Week 10 hot read, second half of the season. We're 2-0 and today. We got that Chiefs win this morning, hit that Thursday night under. Hot read is now 11-5 and on the season. We're going to go back to where we hit last week on the Thursday under to the Steelers. I'm going to take the Steelers minus 2.5 against the Packers this week. Back to the well, minus 2.5. Steelers are at home. That basically is pricing these teams as equals on a neutral field. I don't buy it. There's going to be a time to fade Pittsburgh that we all know they're not as good as their 5-3 and three record, but this is not that time. The Steelers are better than the Packers. Neither offense is good. We know that. Packers, though, 20 points or below in six straight games now. Since that opener against the Bears when they kind of threw us off the scent, right? 17 and a half points a game since that opener. They beat the Rams. Hooray. They beat Brett Rippon. It was 10-3 to three with nine minutes left in that game. Like, you're playing a backup quarterback and a bad defense, and you have 10 points. Doesn't really say a whole lot for the Packers. Green Bay actually entered this weekend 31st in DVOA defensively and overall over the last month. So this is not a hot team. They kind of looked the part today. They just happened to play a backup quarterback. Pittsburgh, weirdly enough, though it doesn't feel like it, entered the weekend top six offense and defense and overall by DVOA over the last month. I don't understand it either. I don't know what's happening, but we do know one thing. The defense is good, right? We know Pittsburgh's defense is good. That's the one sure thing on the field, especially against Jordan Love on the road. Pittsburgh always plays better at home. The numbers are much better home here. So I like the Steelers. Packers defense is beatable deep. They're rough against wide receiver ones. So I think George Pickens is in for a big day. That's like the one thing the Steelers offense does well. Pittsburgh just the better team. So I would put this easily above the key number. I have it at least at Pittsburgh minus four. We're getting a minus two and a half here. Grab that before the key number if you can. And another one right on the cusp of a key number. I know it's not going to feel great after we watch today, but give me the Seahawks minus five and a half home against the Commanders. Look, you can't overreact, right? You can't overreact the blowout loss the Seattle had today to Baltimore. We kind of saw it coming. It's a bad matchup, and the Ravens are just really good. The Seahawks are not at that level, but they're still way better than the Commanders. The Commanders, they're 4-5 and five now. This is a team I want to fade, and this is a great spot for them. They basically played the, the Patriots even today. They won on late downs, and they, they kind of survived at the end of the game. It's not that exciting of a result. So neither team really had a great weekend, but don't forget what happened during the week. Washington traded away both of their elite pass rushers, so we know what direction they're heading. Seattle traded for a great pass rusher, Leonard Williams. So this is a team that's going to win in the trenches, I think both ways. Seattle's line can win against Washington, missing their guys now, and Seattle pass rush is going to get home. They're going to sack Sam Howell. We know that he eats sacks week after week. Washington, 
just not very good. They're bottom 10 offense and defense by DVOA. Seattle is a top 10 team. Well, they were coming to Sunday. They won't be after what Baltimore just did, but they're a good team. They're top half of the league on offense and defense and special teams. Washington has been the worst defense in football over the last month. And honestly, I think this could be a get-right spot for Seattle. Shane Waldron's offense has been really good this season. Washington's corners are beatable. And now you got to face DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Really, Seattle's moved the ball pretty well. The one thing they've struggled with is in those key moments, third down, red zone. Those are kind of random over time. This could be the sort of game where they convert a couple of those, they get right, put up a big number, and they might do to Washington what just happened to them today by Baltimore. So I think this could get away from Washington. All but one of their losses have failed to cover this number. All but one of Seattle's wins have covered this number. And then a couple of trends for you here. You know, we all have the trends. Pete Carroll, after a loss, 47, 29, and 4 against the spread, 62%. And you're going to love this one. Teams like Seattle that have won at least 60% of their games after a 20-point or more loss, 68% against the spread. And if you narrow that just to week 10 to 15, so who are the teams we know are good? Guys, we know Seattle is good. We know they're playing good football. They just didn't today. Teams with a 60-plus win percentage after 20-point loss just in those week 10 to 15, 39-6 and against the spread in the last couple decades. 87% 87% hit rate. Seattle's going to add to that number. So I think there's blow potential here. I want to grab this before the key number, six, minus five and a half if you can. And I think, honestly, this should be above seven. I'll probably play some alternates as well and look for a possible blowout here. So Seattle Seahawks, minus five and a half. Pittsburgh Steelers, minus two and a half. That is your week 10 hot read. Thank you, Brandon. All right, Evan, let's move now to Dolphins Chiefs. First game in Frankfurt in Germany, and uh, a game that we expected probably some offensive fireworks, but the Chiefs uh, win 21 to 14, and the Dolphins don't really hold up their end of the bargain on this side, and the total goes under 50. The Chiefs do win as minus one and a half point favorites, and we talk about this a lot on the pod, but Patrick Mahomes, this is the sweet spot for him when he's favored by three or less, or even he's an underdog. 19-6-1 against the spread. You don't get it very often, but when you see it in this spot, it's almost a a hammer play. And now the Dolphins, we've talked about this before, about them, whether or not, how they do against teams that are good, how they're doing against teams against bad teams. Since 2021, the Dolphins are 4-11 straight up versus teams above 500, and they're 16-7 straight up versus teams below 500. So I think it's pretty clear now since the start of 2021 uh, that the Dolphins just are not in that tier yet. Just crazy. To follow up on that point, that last point you made, since the Dolphins' last win against a team over 500, which was the Bills, I believe, in week three last year, only one other team doesn't have a win against an over 500 opponent. That would be the Bears, who are 0-9 straight up. Now the Dolphins 0-7. So, yeah, it's been a decent bad run. But I think we should start this. This game, to me, unfortunate a bit to be at 9.30 in the morning because probably was the game <laughs> of the day in a sense. Because even if you look before kickoff, and I'm not sure you noticed this, but at a few books, Miami did close as a favorite. So there was some very, very – I saw close very, to yeah, a pick yeah, yeah. There was some heavy, heavy uh, Dolphins money that came in late. 
And then I don't know if you noticed, but 21 nothing Chiefs was the halftime score. So the Chiefs showing up on Friday, Miami being there on Tuesday, which even me myself put some stock into, looks like absolutely meant nothing. So good to know that, you know, that that isn't, you know. And even Andy Reid had discussed in his press conferences that that was something that, you know, he had done in the past and it had worked for him. So that worked. But to me, the interesting thing and kind of the uh, the way to explain what I've seen from Kansas City, which is actually kind of funny, is I feel like they have a lot of New England in them. Like, if you mm-hmm. look at the box score today, nine people had a reception, 11 targets, good defense. They haven't missed a kick all year, extra points or field goals. All feels like New England. Just a little bit of like the way that Belichick had won those games, like the good defense. It's an odd comparison, but I felt it when I watched Mahomes just try to figure it out and their defense kind of hold on. Also, it was kind of funny that they beat another good uh, AFC East team. Uh, So, but just a comparison I looked at. Yeah, and I think you got to give credit to Miami's defense because even though they did kind of give up those early scores – if you look at the box score, I mean, they held Mahomes below 200 yards passing. He had a fumble. And really, this has been the trend for Patrick Mahomes all year. His accuracy is up, but his passing stats across the board are all down. Yards per game, passing touchdowns. Uh, but we've talked about this with a lot of teams. They don't come out with urgency in the first half. And two of the Dolphins play with no urgency. Yeah, And they were held scoreless in the first time. In the Mike McDaniel era, they have never been held scoreless in the first half. So I thought that was really got to give credit to that Chiefs defense. And I mean, the Dolphins, they were getting some luck in the second half. They got two fumbles. It was a pretty questionable personal foul call that led to a touchdown as well. Uh, but now the Dolphins coming back home next week, got to get right spot versus the Raiders. And I mean, if Aiden O'Connell and that Raiders team is coming into Miami, I. I would be shocked if this line closes below 17 by the time we get to kickoff, just because of what we've seen from the Dolphins at home. And, you know, they're averaging over like 35 points per home game at this stage. Right. So, and this Raiders team, yes, they beat up on the, on the giants. We'll talk about that game later, but uh, nothing really impressive about this Raiders team. And again, uh, they would be right now, I believe at 500. So it should be interesting actually with that, uh, how, how the Dolphins do against teams that are above 500 and below 500. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that stinks for Miami, and I think this is what makes it probably even a better spot in that home spot, and obviously going to be a really uh, large spread. They're going to have like all this time. They're going to have a buy. It's a lot of time to wait too. So, but off a loss, it's probably going to be a, a good one. They'll probably come out really hot. Yeah, and the Chiefs look pretty solid right now the fact that they're come they're coming back home but they got to buy yeah and then they got the eagles coming to arrowhead in week 11 and the remainder of their schedule isn't too tough so uh very much in the driver's seat to get the one seed in the afc at this stage uh seahawks ravens lamar again with another <laughs> win over the nfc the ravens win 37 to 3 uh the ravens do cover as five and a half point favorites but the total does go under of 44 and a half but I wanted to talk more about that NFC record because that's two games in a row now where we've seen this kind of touted NFC team like the Lions. Seahawks were getting some late love as well. They just throw out a complete dud in Baltimore. Baltimore looks ridiculously dominant. I think they're the team right now 
based off of how their offense is playing that you might say has the most complete package, especially with Tucker as well. Uh, so that that's level one for me. Uh, when you go back to the NFC note, they do play the Rams week 14 at home, and then they're yep. at San Francisco uh, in week six. Big game. So uh, either way, even if they say they lost both of those games or they went one and one, I think it's actually a pretty decent advantage, even with the two weeks to prep for Baltimore in a Super Bowl against but probably potentially a team that hasn't faced them this year. So I, I do think they're – Probably is something to that, to having to prepare for Lamar. I will say this. Baltimore has won, I guess, the four in a row. But looking at the schedule ahead, ain't easy. And I'll just rattle off some te- nope. uh, teams here. Cleveland, Cincinnati, Chargers, Rams, Jaguars, Niners, Dolphins, Steelers. No cupcakes there. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's you know it's also crazy? And one, one other note I was going to add here. Uh, Baltimore at home. You know, we've been talking about Cleveland's defense. Baltimore at home, mm-hmm. their defense has been ridiculously dominant. Listen to these uh, home numbers allowed for them. 3, 6, 16, 22 is Minshew, but 9, 16, 9, 3. That's at home this year and last year. Um, so crazy dominant. But I do think, though, with the Browns and Bengals on deck, especially with how they've looked, they're kind of in a spot right now where – if they go 2-0 and in those games, they could probably have the AFC North locked up before December, yeah. right? And um, the one thing I will say, I just want to say this about the Seahawks. I know the box score won't say it, but I feel the Seahawks defense, they played well. They just got zero support from their offense. Like Geno, Geno Smith kind of cost them the game. Interception and a fumble, both were in Ravens territory. Both put the Ravens in uh, short field positions as well, like later on in the game. I will say the one positive note, though, for uh, I wanted to mention about the the Ravens and why you knew that it was all clicking on all cylinders. Odell Beckham Jr. It was his birthday today, and he <laughs> caught a touchdown on his birthday. So for all those people who like to play those trends of uh, betting on a touchdown score when it's his birthday, uh, <laughs> Odell Beckham. Uh, I actually mentioned that on the Best Bets pod on Thursday, so I'm hoping that somebody might have uh, tailed that one as well. Uh, Bears Saints Saints win twenty four to seventeen. Saints do not cover. Uh, as 10 and a half point favorites, but the total does go under of 42 and a half, just barely two. Uh, now the Bears, again, it's a fun ride with Tyson Bajan. And this first half, he looked pretty good, but he turned into a pumpkin in the second half at three interceptions and a fumble. And the Bears, whether it's Justin Fields or Tyson Bajan, they're one and eight straight up in their last nine road games and two and 12 straight up in their last 14 road games overall. Yeah, from... Listen, if you were one of the three people who had the Bears here, uh, Chicago didn't score. Chad Millman, maybe? Yeah, potentially. (laughs) Chicago didn't score in the fourth quarter and covered the spread. They also lost the turnover battle 5-0 and still covered the spread. Uh, I looked it up. Incredible. Teams to lose the turnover battle 5-0, 12-219-1 against the spread since 1990 entering today. 12, 219 and one. So the Bears would be the 13th win there. Uh, it just, they didn't deserve it. All the turnovers and they got there. And that's just because on the other side of the ball, Derek Carr. And they just, Derek Carr and Dennis Allen is the perfect recipe for not covering an eight and a half point spread. Uh, that's yeah. kind of, and that's kind of what you got here. And, and 
this was a Taysom Hill game too. Like he yeah, did it all. Fair enough. That is fair. If, if anything, it was one of those times where I kind of wondered, you remember a couple years ago before Derek Carr and when Drew Brees got hurt and Taysom Hill was kind of the quarterback <laughs> for a little while and, and how that offense looked? That's when they were clicking today. He did it all. He had a passing touchdown, a receiving touchdown. He was converting some big third downs, running the ball. So that's one of the things about the Saints that I always wonder is if they ever just figure it out where they're like, oh, we should actually use Taysom Hill way more. They'll be way more explosive and dynamic, but they just, I don't know, they're allergic to uh, good decisions. I mean, obviously they signed Derek Carr. So uh, what do you got, got to say there? All right, let's run through some of these games now. Cardinals, Browns. Browns win 27 to nothing. The under hits very easily. Browns do cover as 13 and a half point favorites. And uh, another week and another game, Evan, where the Cardinals get no public support. Uh, eight straight games now where the public is on the other side as far as tickets and handle go as far as betting. But uh, this was just another step in the Cardinals tank job. Uh, they tried to kind of uh, woo us in, maybe saying that Kyler Murray was potentially going to play. Instead, we get Clayton Toon, who's completely out of tune. Two interceptions, a fumble. It was, it was, gr- they didn't get past midfield uh, until the third quarter. It, it was awful, awful football from the Cardinals. And uh, yeah, we don't have to talk much more about that game. But yeah, the Browns defense came to play, came back after two straight games of giving up uh, close to almost 70 points. Rams, Packers, Packers win 20 to three. Total goes under, but the Packers do cover as three point favorites. Evan, this shocked me. Jordan Love had never closed as a favorite in his career, and he wins the first one quite easily. Uh, you know, and Brett Ripien, we just talked about Clayton Toon. Him and Brett Ripien are basically going for worst quarterback of the day. Uh, the frozen pizza championship belt is what I was calling it here. <laughs> I don't really think we need to talk too much about this game. Packers do win, and the Rams continue to trend downward. Colts, Panthers. Colts win 27 to 13. Total does go under 45 and a half. And the Colts do cover as one and a half point favorites. Now, Nick Giffen is uh, somebody that I talk to quite often. And uh, I felt really bad for him today because this was a really bad beat. Under 21 and a half is what he had for the first half. And it was a late pick six from Bryce Young to give the Colts the 20 to three lead. And honestly, the game felt over by that point. There was three interceptions from Bryce Young by the end of the game. Just a horrible rookie game. He had two pick sixes in the game as well, which essentially was the difference in the loss. Uh, Let's talk about Giants-Raiders, though, because this is a little bit of a feel-good story, and we'll end it on Commanders-Patriots. But Giants-Raiders, Raiders Raiders win 30-6. to Total does go under of 37.5. But Antonio Pierce, first coach, gets the win. Teams after a uh, coach getting fired uh, is just one of those kind of feel-good stories, especially when you hear about some of the rumblings of him bringing up uh, in the locker room. Now, I don't know how much is true, but <laughs> there was the story about in the locker room that he was bringing up the the win over the Patriots in front of Josh McDaniels, and they got into it. Now, obviously, that's it just sounds like almost like an Onion article that somebody probably wrote, but I wanted to believe it. And Antonio Pierce uh, gets his first win as a head coach, but I think the bad news, obviously, for the Giants – Daniel Jones tours ACL was a non-contact injury. He's going to be out for this season. And it was just a horrible train wreck for the Giants at quarterback with Tommy DeVito, two picks, a fumble, really just a season for hell, from hell for the, uh, for the Giants. Yeah. Giants are going to have to find a new quarterback, uh, at least to add to the roster. Tyrod's going to probably need a week or two. Uh, Jones done. So 
that's a situation there. Uh, the interesting thing with Pierce, obviously, beating his old team in the Giants today. Uh, since 2003, fired head coaches. Next week, that team, 20-16 and 16 against the spread. So actually a little bit of an advantage. And here's a new one for you. Now, obviously, Daniel Jones probably gone for a little while. Um, but for a while there, Daniel Jones kind of being the new Kirk Cousins, he is now – so Daniel Jones, pretty decent quarterback in that 1 p.m. slot. After 1 p.m., so in that 4 p.m. and night game situation, 5-21 and 21 straight up for Daniel Jones in his career. The Giants, since 2017, are now 8-39 and 39 straight up in games played after that 1 p.m. window. So they just haven't showed up in primetime. It's been pretty ugly. Wow. That that win over the Vikings in the playoffs now feels like a <laughs> lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, let's end it off with this one, man. Commanders, Patriots. Commanders win 20 to 17. Patriots lose as two and a half point favorites or commanders cover as two and a half point underdogs, depending on your POV. Uh, and the total goes under 40 and a half. Now, if you had only watched a segment of this game in the second quarter, you saw everything the Pats did offensively today. They scored two touchdowns in a minute and 34 seconds of gameplay in the second quarter. And that was pretty much most of what they did today. And I felt like the commanders should have won this game pretty easily. Sam Howell had an interception in the end zone and then another fumble trying to run the ball in scoring territory. He's just been awful. Uh, but again, it's better than, I guess, Clayton Toon. Uh, but Mac Jones throws a game-ending interception. Should it have ended any other way? <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, when you look at it from New England's point of view, they now have to go to Germany. Uh, I kind of wish they faced a – Send them to Germany. Send them to Germany is right. I kind of wish they faced a different opponent than Indy because who the heck knows what you're going to get with Indy and Gardner Minshew. Uh, yes. Probably a, uh, a, a very lunatic-type game where lots of points are most likely scored. Uh, I guess the good thing about today, Ron Rivera goes to now 3-0 and straight up and against the spread against Bill Belichick. So a uh, fun sense of domination there. Let's just end it on that. And let's check in now with Patrick Everson with Vegas Insider to see how sportsbooks fared in Vegas for week nine. Thanks a lot, Jill. Good to join you on the Action Network podcast again with this NFL week nine just about to conclude so let's talk a little bit about how NFL Week 9 has gone for the betters and how it's gone for the sportsbooks. I talked to an odds maker a little bit earlier out of Las Vegas who said the public definitely had a good day today and a good weekend overall, really, speaking to college football as well. He noted that the books had been on a good run in the NFL for really the last three weeks, but they lost a lot of it back this week, he said. And I also talked to Scott Shelton behind the counter for BetMGM Nevada. He said they actually did a little better uh, Sunday, then Saturday, but they traded money back and forth a good bit. Uh, he said it started good with the Europe game due to a very large exotic wager. He didn't say exactly what it was on an alternate total that the book won. And then with the Vikings beating the Falcons outright, that ended up being a, a pretty big decision too. But they gave a good chunk back. They had a really significant six-figure play that MGM did in Vegas on Moneyline, a Moneyline parlay that tied the Browns in the early games to the Eagles in the late games, and they both got there. So that was a pretty big payout. But uh, uh, just kind of a kind of a back-and-forth day for BetMGM, at least in Nevada. And again, another oddsmaker uh, elsewhere told me that uh, it was a good day for the public. Looking ahead to the Monday night game, 
I think it's just interesting what's going on with BetMGM. This could change a lot on Monday. This is when most most of the money is going to come in closer to kickoff in the hour, two, three hours leading up to kickoff, especially that last hour. But this is a game where the Chargers open minus one and a half at the Jets, up to minus three and a half. And earlier Sunday, BetMGM sent across some information on the game that showed point spread betting, ticket count, 90% of tickets on the Chargers on the road. 72% of money on the spread on the Jets. So a really wide dichotomy between where the ticket count is going and where the spread money is going. And granted, spread money, you could have one bet, two bets that are substantial size that can really skew that. So that might be part of what's going on here, but still it's rather interesting that you've got 90% of tickets on the Chargers on the spread and 72% of money on the Jets on the spread. Looking ahead to next week, to week 10, obviously the odds are already on the board and getting some attention. And I talked with a Vegas odds maker on Sunday night about this. And the game that stands out the most is definitely the 49ers-Jags. Both teams are coming off buys. The Niners are 0-3 straight up and against the spread in their last three, while the Jags have won five in a row, and they covered in all five of those games. Still, the Niners going on the road all the way to the East Coast, open at minus three even money. No movement on that at the moment. And what the odds maker said is, look, the Niners are still a very good power rated team. Uh, Their power rating hasn't suffered too much, even though they're in a little bit of a rut lately. Uh, And he also noted that sometimes sharp betters like to go against West Coast teams when they've got to go all the way to the East Coast. But since the Niners are coming off a bye, he said that negates that a little bit. You got the Detroit Lions also coming off a bye. They're going to travel to face Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers still have to play in the Week 9 Monday night game at New York against the Jets, as I alluded to a bit ago. And so you've got the Lions off a bye, plenty rested, and the Chargers on a short week on the East Coast now have to travel back home after they after they play the Jets. So it's a bit of an unusual situation. And the odds maker said he opened this game pick, and the Lions went to minus one pretty quickly and then on to minus one and a half. So Lions a short road favorite against the Chargers. And then you got this Giants-Cowboys game. Daniel Jones just can't buy a break. Uh, Comes back from injury, and it sounds like he's got a pretty significant knee injury. Dallas was minus 10 on the look-ahead line in this game against the Giants. Giants, Giants-Cowboys look-ahead, opens Dallas, minus 10. Comes off the board for the weekend, goes back up on Sunday night at Dallas, minus 15. Basically reopens. Already up a point. It went to 15.5 pretty quickly, and then 16 shortly after. So Dallas is just a huge favorite. And what the odds maker said is, look, it's you know, it sounds strange that Daniel Jones might be worth a touchdown to the spread, but it's kind of that combination. It's not just losing Daniel Jones; it's who's behind Daniel Jones, and Tommy DeVito is right now who's behind Daniel Jones. So that's why that's such a significant jump. So there I have it. There, Jill, we got a look at how things went in Week Nine for the books, at least to this point, and a little look ahead to the Monday Nighter, and of course Week Ten. Great to be on. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Patrick. And thank you for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Enjoy Monday Night Football and keep an eye out for all of our NFL Week 10 podcasts right here on the Action Network. Action Network reminds you. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.